everyone. This is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And today, like I always say, we got a great show for you. And we don't have necessarily someone rising. We have someone that's already been there. He's done that. <laughs> he's done some great things, and we're definitely going to talk about that. And you know what? I think he's going to do some great things in the future, too. So, Terry McBride, are you here? Well, I'm here, and that's uh, appreciate that introduction. <laughs> well, you know, we, you know, Sandy and I used to listen to you a lot back in the '90s and stuff. So, you know, it's yes, really cool did. to have you on the show. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, hi, hi, Sandy. I remember those '90s. Yes, that was the music I grew up listening to. Loved it. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Well, it's still hanging in there. So many people reach out and to let me know mm-hmm. that that uh, music is still a big part of their lives, you know? Oh, absolutely. And to be honest with you, it's, yes. it's really like the 90s music. 90s country to us is the best country. Oh. It is. <laughs> well, well, I'm tickled to be grandfathered in. I'll take that. However, I can get a follower or a fan. A, a lot of them certainly come from that era, you know, but uh, they're a loyal bunch, and I love that about them. <laughs> Most yeah. definitely, because not everybody's loyal nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we get started here, I always like to start with the big elephant in the room every on every episode. How has <laughs> COVID affected you, and how are you well, maneuvering through it? Well, a lot like uh, other people in the business are doing. You know, I just had to uh, postpone, cancel, move everything that we were. Uh, anticipating doing I was uh, also we were getting the original band McBride and the Ride uh, back mm-hmm. together we were actually kick, kicking oh, things wow. off at fan, fan Fest this year and of course all oh, of that wow. went away and the dates that we had and then all of my solo dates of course went away but with all that being said I've done a lot of Zoom stuff interviews and writing sessions and uh, also been preparing and planning and trying to get this new music out. So we've used that <laughs> time uh, wisely, I hope, and uh, uh, put some people together in a little team of of, uh, of uh, people that are far more intelligent than I am that are helping me try to get this music out. <laughs> <clears throat> so being, now granted, everybody slowed down a little bit, and I'm sure that, that you probably got a more list now than you did year, uh, before COVID, but what are some hobbies you like to do outside of music? I always like to start light before we really dig deep. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> well, I spend so much of my time indoors. I like to get outside, uh, <laughs> whether it's just uh, I have a I have a home in in Franklin where I live in Tennessee, and then I have a little house that's two miles from there that I've been riding out of for years. So uh, I, I like to just get outside and do uh, yard work, and I have a garden and. Uh, I enjoy that sort of thing, planning and taking care of uh, just that gets me outside. I like to play basketball still, I like to shoot a few hoops. I like to go fishing and kayaking, canoeing. We have a lot of that right out my back door. Oh, wow. I live on the Harpeth River here in uh, Franklin, mm-hmm. and so that's an easy access and something we can do to get outside. So, uh, And I love to swim. I, I do a lot of swimming especially this summer with the humidity in Tennessee, I'm in the pool quite a bit. <laughs> uh-huh, <yes>. Definitely understand <laughs> that. Because yeah, we, we live in Savannah, Georgia, which we, oh, we live in Savannah, okay. Georgia. 
but we're planning on moving to Nashville next year. But it's funny. Oh. I kept telling people we're, we're going to leave the mm-hmm. heat. You know, we'll just have to put up with the <laughs> and little the humidity. Cold. And, and and all my friends <laughs> yeah. from Nashville says you're not leaving the heat. You may think you are. <laughs> no, it's you know it's the it's the deep south kind of uh, temperatures. But you know this year it's been very mild compared to last year. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Some years are worse than others. Yeah. About June, the humidity sort of rolls in, and then it's just kind of. It depends on how the year shapes up is how brutal it's going to be. I'm from Texas, so right now they're a good 10, 15, 20 degrees hotter than we are here. Oh, wow. and well. oh, wow. so it, could always, it could always be worse. You know? It could always be worse. <laughs> yes. So taking yourself way back, at what age did you realize that, that this could actually be a career for you? Not necessarily the age that you wanted to do music. But at what point did you say to your? At what point did you say, look in the mirror and say, "Wow, I could do this as a career." Well, it's something I always wanted to do from like the age of nine. My father was oh, wow. a touring, traveling musician. Uh, he was gone a lot when I was young, but I later, actually, out of high school, I toured with him for three years. We had a tour bus, and oh, wow. my dad had a really cool recording studio where a lot of great world-class musicians down the road in Austin, Texas would come to our little place mm-hmm. out in Lime Pass huh. where I grew up. So I, I, I always thought it was something I could do. It was something I always wanted to do. And mm-hmm. by the time I was a freshman in high school, I was already in a band with older guys that was playing on a fairly regular basis. I was actually making huh. a little living in high school, which was kind of <laughs> shocking because I had no rent to pay. So that was a little... Uh, shocking when I got out of high school and realized there was more to life than uh, living oh, wow. free. <laughs> free room and board. It wasn't happening once I got out of high school. But uh, so I, once I was a freshman, I thought this is something I, of course, wanted to do. I was already making a little bit of money, which is really unlike 90% of the kids in high school. Most didn't know what they wanted mm-hmm. to do and certainly weren't mm-hmm. working at it. So I hit the ground young and never really lit up off the gas. I toured with my dad yeah. for three years and then played with a lot of Austin, Texas people, Jimmy Dale Gilmore, Leroy Parnell, Rosie Flores, uh, and then wow. Delbert McClinton. I traveled and played bass for Delbert for a couple of years and uh, got to tour and do some wonderful things. Opened a whole tour with Stevie Ray Vaughan all the way up to New York City and back. And So uh, I was exposed to a lot of good stuff and it just uh, I, w- I wasn't always making a great living at it, but it was something yeah. I just continued to sort of work yeah. at. So what back then? What did your friends think? You know that you hung out with. Were they like all supportive, or were were some like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> <laughs> no, that was mainly my family that kept asking, "Are you sure?" <laughs> my friends, were, my friends were more supportive than my family. My dad wasn't wasn't thrilled that I wanted to get into uh-huh. business. He he had struggled too, and he knew what the business would require and the odds of making it are uh, pretty astronomical unless you're mm-hmm. just going to do the local level and there's nothing wrong with yeah. that either, you know, but yeah. um, it's tough, tough business. So yeah, my friends, they all thought that was pretty cool because I was in this very popular band. So that was a lot of fun <laughs> for everybody. You know, you were the man back then. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, it sure was fun. I mean, these guys were, I say they're older. They were like a junior's, Seniors and one freshman in college. That's how much older they were than me. 
but I was a freshman <laughs> in high school, so they they felt and seemed much older than I was. But uh, yeah, it was a great it was a great environment growing up. I didn't even have to leave my hometown to find a wonderful uh, option, you know, an alternative mm-hmm. to trying to play. So mm-hmm. they took yeah. me in, and it was uh, it was a great great practice. Uh, experience for me and learning uh, everything I was the music that I loved we were playing it every Saturday and Friday night so it was a whole lot of fun so back then who were some of the people you grew up listening to wow that's a that's a wide range of (laughs) artists I grew up in deep in the heart of Texas so even within Texas it had its own music scene just like it does now and Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. I was living in a little I was living in a little town called Lampasas, which is about 68 miles northwest of Austin, and Willie Nelson was living down the highway in Austin. That was pretty mind-blowing, and I was a huge Willie Nelson fan. The first album I heard was Phases and Stages. It was about 1973, I believe, and 74, Shotgun Willie, those albums. I just loved Willie, loved his songwriting, loved the arrangements. It was just different. And then... Yeah. During the yeah. 70s, when I was in high school, the progressive country music scene in Austin exploded. Jerry Jeff Walker, <laughs> you know, Doug Somm, Ray Wiley, Hubbard, Gary P. Nunn, Rusty Weir. It just kind of went on and on. And we learned all those songs, and it was really all happening just down the road. And we would drive down and see people like that. But I also cut my teeth on classic country oh. music. I mm-hmm. love George Jones, Coach Merle Haggard. I love Gary Stewart. Johnny Bush was a regional yeah. kind of country singer that was very well respected, and uh, I also listened to pop and uh, a lot of standards and things that my dad mm-hmm. liked as well. So heavily influenced, even as a young person growing up, you know, in the in the seventies. <clears throat> now, where we're about to go now, you, you'll probably be able to remember back then, back in the day, <laughs> but it's probably harder now than then. But you know, as you as you know. People see the artists like your Blake Shelton's, the people that are on top right now, and they see the glory, but they don't see the (laughs) grind, the sacrifices, the tears that artists have to even get to – not necessarily to even get there, but to get at the career level. And I think that nobody talks about that, and I've always promised on our show we always talk about that side of it because I think it's – I believe it's the most important thing to talk about. Because I think that, one, people need to hear that side of it, and two, if an artist is about to make this leap, they need to know what's coming. <laughs> right. Well, and, yeah. Um, in the, yeah. You're right. Go ahead. And I'm going to tell a quick story that will help lead us into where I want this to go. But back in 2014, yeah. um, we interviewed Allison Steele from Two Steel Girls. And at, that, and at that time, they were full-time with music. And one of the questions I asked Allison was, what advice would she give an up-and-coming artist? <clears throat> and I'll never forget her words. She said, this is <laughs> going to sound funny coming from someone full-time. She said, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, then please go do that and keep music as a hobby. She says, the yeah. moment you want it to be a career, you, you no longer own your life. She goes, everybody owns a piece <laughs> of it. She said, your yeah. friends and relatives, they never understand. They invite you to weddings, to um, cookouts, to weekends, to holidays. But you've got to say no because you've got gigs, especially at the beginning yeah. of your career. I mean, you can't, you know, you could, they, some, maybe your best friend has a wedding. They're like, well, this is my big day. And, you, I mean, you're, you're doing that small gig down the street, and they don't get that there's yeah. 20, 30, 40 people depending on that gig to happen. 
So you can't just say no because you've already booked it. Then your family has to sacrifice. It's not just the artist, but the family around the artist. And then on top of that, there are going to be days to where you're just miserable. You, you don't want to do anything. You, you, you're going to be depressed. You're going to, you know. But yet, if you got a gig <laughs> that night, you got to get on that stage and smile like you're the happiest man on earth. And then she added, she says, "But if your heart will not allow you to do anything outside of music, then go all in, because the only way that those kind of sacrifices could ever be worth it." What do you think of what she said? And let's talk about that side of it. This all sounds very familiar <laughs> to me, Chris. I, I, I've lived every every inch and every mile of that. I've uh, there's absolutely no glory in music in the beginning. The gigs are not great. It's a lot of weddings and just stuff that's not glamorous at all. And the money isn't great either. And um, then as you continue to move forward, I was into my late twenties. I was really well known as a singing bass player, but I was trying to put the focus on songwriting in order to break away from just being a singing bass player. You know, <laughs> I just didn't want to end up in just a band and I was in yeah. some great bands. I, I was fortunate to tour the country and do with Delbert McClinton. It was never a dull moment. It was wonderful tours and from John Fogarty to, you know, a Huey Lewis on news at the very top of their career yeah. back in the eighties. It was amazing, but Still, it wasn't a uh, life-changing financial situation yeah. for me at all. It was more of a learning situation, opportunities, which I embraced it and made the most of every minute that I could. But yeah, it's uh, I didn't ever I never had a backup plan. I, I never went to school. I went <laughs> straight out of high school onto the road, mm-hmm. so I really mm-hmm. never looked back. But I think in a lot of ways, if you're going to make it, music is one of those. Uh, businesses that just has a way of weeding those out that don't want it more than anything else yeah. in life, you know, and, yeah. and family is a sacrifice. I've been married forever, but I've been through ups and downs of that as well. And we've had our struggles mm-hmm. and a lot of time away from each other and my family and birthdays and all that stuff for most of my life. In the nineties, it was so popular. We were playing mm-hmm. 200 plus dates a year, you know, so wow. that's a lot of time on the road nonstop. And uh, if you don't have someone that understands that and is supportive of it, then uh, you're really, you're in trouble. You're in the wrong business and you're in the wrong mm-hmm. business for, to be married and try to have a family for sure. Cause it's going to be a struggle. <laughs> and it is, it is anyway, even with someone helping. Yeah. But I completely agree with that statement. And, uh, I have experienced all of that that you discussed, so it's it's definitely true. I never really have anything else that I loved quite as much as music. I've got this, you know, forty-five year love affair I have with this music business. <laughs> it has its ups and downs like any other relationship. Yeah, and, and you know, I remember, you know, sometimes people just don't, and I, and I, that's why I like to bring out this side because I want people to understand the creative is different. Then you're nine to five. There is there is no you clock in, you clock out. It's twenty four seven whether you like it or not. Especially in the social media world, it's twenty four seven whether yeah. you like it or not. And like I remember when you when, when you listen to interviews of like your big artists right now, and I've listened to a lot of them, and the host is always taking it back. So I love this part because you just mentioned this. So you know, but when you when you listen to these. There's always one question that every host always asks the big artist, and the question is always, what would you be doing if music didn't work? And, and 
nine times out of ten, the artist – and the host is always taken aback on this answer. But I think <laughs> nine times out of ten, they would say, I would just be a broke musician because I had no plan B. Yeah. <laughs> well – uh, and I'm right there with them. Uh, I really don't. I, I don't have a passion quite as burning as the one I have for music and always have. Even all these years later, I still, I'm in, I'm enjoying it for the most part. Even going down the road last year was very encouraging. A lot of yeah. great shows, a lot of wonderful people that turned out for it. And that's a confidence builder and it feels good. And it's still you know, the crowds may not be as big as they were back in the 90s, but still every bit as, uh, you know, uh, rewarding as passionate. and gratifying as it was back in the day because fans are just, like you said, they're so passionate about this music and it all means something to them. They all have a story about a certain song and a moment and a piece of what I'm doing that is attached to them. So that makes it pretty mm-hmm. special. And, you know, now that we talked about a little bit of sacrifices, I always like to go the other way. And let's talk about the glory. You know, when when you look when you look at your career so far of everything you've done, and you know, I've got a sheet a mile long here. I tell you, you know, as I scroll through, I'm sitting there like I can't mention all this. So I'm gonna let you take a couple things, a couple highlights that you're that you're like, um, wow, I got to do that. And of course, I know there's a bunch of those, but what are a few, including a few last year too? That way. We can talk about some of the stuff that you're currently doing, not just your past. Well, as a as an artist, you know, of course, signing a deal with MCA, of course, that was a huge moment. Mm-hmm. Going from sort of a club player to a struggling musician to working <laughs> with Tony Brown, who was the mega producer and a record executive at the time, and he was producing everybody that I love, from Steve Earle to Lyle Lovett to Patty Loveless, you know, mm-hmm. and so. That was a huge thrill, big milestone, of course. And then as a songwriter, getting my first song recorded by an artist was like I had won the lottery. I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> and uh, John Anderson was my first uh, artist oh, wow. that recorded one of my songs. And it was from a movie called Eight Seconds, the Lane Frost story. Mm-hmm. And uh, McBride, McBride and the Ride was actually in that movie. I joke we were in there for about, in the movie Eight Seconds, we were in there for about six seconds, but... It was uh, a lot of fun. And we had the first single from that soundtrack. That was a big thrill. That was sort of Hollywood. Luke Perry was the star of that movie, and we filmed with him on set all day and Stephen Baldwin. That was a lot of fun. That was probably about 1993. Mm -hmm. And um, then uh, I've had so many, like you said. I mean, from the Macy's Day Parade, uh, (coughs) I was watching that as a kid growing up and all of a sudden being involved in it. That's pretty mind-blowing. And then even later, I was on the road uh, writing songs for Brooks and Dunn for 10 years, and they asked me to be in the band and play bass, so I didn't really want to do it, but the first night in the band, we opened for the Rolling Stones, so... uh, (laughs) You were like, okay, I can do this. (laughs) I thought I could always quit afterwards, you know, but... So that was a thrill and and a highlight, you know, as far as that goes. And then, you know, recording this new album, uh, I have my old boss, Gilbert McClinton, is on it, and I have a oh, wow. duet. The title, the title of the album is called Rebels and Angels. I wrote it with uh, Chris Stapleton, but it's a duet with Patty Loveless, who I dearly love. So that is a huge huh. feather in my cap as far as an artist wow. goes. That's one of the one of uh, my special moments, no matter what else I do. I love that, <clears throat> and you know, and and how long was your break from music? 
Uh, I, I quit performing in 95, so I had almost a 20-year window there. <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I really just got back on the road last year full-time, so uh-huh. 20, you know, a, a lot of years. I, I'm well-rested. I had a nice break, no doubt about it. But uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, sometimes that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. Well, I was having success as a songwriter uh, behind mm-hmm. the scenes, and I was loving every minute of that. That's really what I – I came to Nashville to be a, a songwriter, and I fortunately yeah. ended up getting a record deal through demos that I was pitching. But um, <laughs> uh, writing is near and dear to my heart, and it's where everything starts for me. It all starts with a song, you know. And so uh, mm-hmm. um, that's always going to be a big part of who I am and what I want to do. And uh, even recently, just still getting songs cut, you know, uh, whatever we get, it's, it's wow. still exciting and fun. So that, I think if that goes away, then you, you are in trouble for sure. Yeah, because, you know, in this day and time, too, as you know, you know, in the 90s when you had your big heyday, people people at every level of music was making money. But now that money's dried (laughs) up because of digital. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it has. And that makes it a little tougher for, again, you know, for – because what I'm seeing happen out there is you've got people that are doing just as much as like you did back then – but they're making not even yeah. half the money because it's it, it takes so much more, and it really takes touring now. And of course, right now that's gone. Yep. Yeah, a lot of people are struggling, and you know, as a songwriter, there are several streams of income that you can mm-hmm. have. You know, one is mechanical that sales, downloads, and now, fortunately, they are slowly getting streaming numbers together in the digital side of things is slowly starting mm-hmm. to pay a little bit better. Um, oh, well, that's good. Performance money, performance money in radio is really good. Yeah, I had a song six years ago. It was an Easton Corbin song, and an EDM mm-hmm. artist in Europe recorded it, a young kid named Lost Frequencies. And uh, that song today has 319 million views on YouTube. Wow. And it was a pop song, and a number one pop song in 18 countries. So that kind of uh, that that level of uh, success with a song still generates quite a bit of income. You know, it just depends mm-hmm. on the song and, and what piece yeah. and part of it you have, really, as a writer. That is really amazing. At least people can still make money, and I'm glad to hear that you're saying that some some of the numbers are starting to come up a little bit because it's just not fair for the songwriter. You know, yeah, it, and it's, it's like they get pushed out. Well, with any business, you've got to be willing to change a little bit and stay ahead of some sort of curve. Now, for me, as an independent mm-hmm. artist, you know, I have an opportunity to own my masters instead of uh, a big label owning it. Yeah. Now, the numbers, the numbers will be smaller, but I'm smaller too. I don't have a huge company in uh, brick and mortar you know, that I have to feed mm-hmm. into, so uh, I don't have to sell as many records to still make a little bit of money, and then uh, whatever else we can whatever else we can add to that at the end of the year, it it, it might just be able to make you a, a living if you're fortunate and have a <laughs> couple things good come your way, you know? Yeah. I love that. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and play your song, calling all hearts and love that song. And they're going to talk about that. How's that sound? Fantastic. Appreciate right, it. Hang on the line. Hey everyone. 
We have partnered with another great podcast called the Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Thank you. So, 
So tell us a little bit of how the, that song come along. Well, a little story uh, behind that. It's uh, that song. You know, songs start in different ways. Sometimes with a hook, a title, a guitar lick, mm-hmm. a melody. You just yeah. never know. That song. I had that title. I just liked it. It's sort of a play on words, kind of like an old, yeah. you know, cop show calling all cars. You know, I kind of <laughs> yeah. liked that. And then, and then I just flipped, flipped it and made it calling all hearts. And sort of a a, a guy that's been jilted, whatever, and uh, trying to warn somebody about this, you know, beautiful woman that could break your heart as easily as she just did his. I love songs like that anyway, you know. And so it, yeah. I, I took that to my producer. Yeah. And you made it clear. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was kind of a lighthearted, you know, attempt at sort of a sad moment there, but it was it turned out yeah. pretty cool. And I got had the right guy that day, so that's important just to have the right person in the room with you. And Luke Laird, who produced the record, is the co-writer oh, wow. on that. And that was the first song we wrote that ended up being the album. We didn't even know it. We were just getting <laughs> get together to write a song, mm-hmm. and uh, we liked the song and booked another day and. Like I said, it all starts with a song, and so that kind of got us on the path to uh, produce to, to putting a record together. And Luke wanted to be involved in it. And I loved having him involved. We've been friends a long time, and Luke just celebrated his 24th number one song as a songwriter. So he's yeah. certainly no slouch oh, wow. in that department. And he's a brilliant guy. And won a Grammy last year with Casey Musgraves, and he's just a talent oh, cool. and. and uh, and a wonderful fellow too. He's just very well respected in town. People love him, and it's great mm-hmm. to see a good person like that having that kind of success. You know? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I love that. Now, one of the things that we like to do on our show that I think that doesn't get enough of out there, as you know, I try to do. As you can tell, I try to do everything different than everybody else. <laughs> so <laughs> another another thing that I think that doesn't get talked about enough is the team behind the people. They don't get the love that I think they deserve. And as you know, without the team, you can't do what you do. So we always like to give the artist a couple minutes to kind of just tell us about the team. So tell us yeah. the people behind you to help that, that helps you be who you are. Well, yeah, the, for this particular record, and it really it takes a team or, you know, you can talk about a recording music and putting it out, but without a really knowledgeable people around you, there's a good chance you might not even hear it or hear of it. So uh, yeah. I have a young a young girl named Jordan Petty, who's my project manager. She's very sharp, very, very uh, successful as a young person, but uh, she sort of keeps everything and everyone in line. And uh, then <laughs> Zach Farnham and uh, Jenny List, who put uh, this interview together, they're very instrumental. Without publicity and someone who can go out and get it and create it and opportunities, yeah. you know, you wouldn't hear much about me or hear me today, you know, without a team, someone like yeah. that. And then I'm I'm with a small indie label called In Grooves, but they're part of Universal, which is of course mm-hmm. a huge company, and they're very instrumental in giving me an opportunity to cut this record, to helping you know, uh, giving me some funds to help promote it, and it's it's been a nice relationship with those people as well. And uh, uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes. I have management, Billy Holland and Mike over the management team, my agent Jimmy Dasher. He's a young guy that's kind of believed in me from the beginning, and uh, I got to have somebody like that. He books all my dates for me, and um, so yeah, just with a small independent artist like myself now, I have quite a few people that are working and helping, and, and this thing helping get this music out and help me move forward. 
<clears throat> that is awesome. Now, one of the things that we like to do too is we bring our little eight-year-old, and we kind of got a third co-host. So we got an eight-year-old uh, <laughs> little boy that he always asks one question to each artist. So Sandy's yes, gonna get he him does. on. And, and you might oh, hear yeah, our little daughter. Yeah, and we got an eighteen-month-old daughter, and when she gets old enough, we'll be plugging her in too. <laughs> oh, that's fan- that's fantastic. Well, congratulations. <clears throat> well, thanks. Cause we are a family affair here. <laughs> that's great. Fantastic. We try to do where right. we plug them in. Okay. Yes, here's Christopher with his question. Hi, Christopher. <laughs> what was that, Christopher? What What's your favorite food? <laughs> oh, I, I like that question, Christopher. That's, aside from music, food is near and dear to my heart. I, I love it. Um, you know, I grew up in Texas. So I grew up also with a lot of Mexican food, and I think because of that, I uh, I still enjoy that quite a bit. I mean, I like a lot of people. I love food, and um, I'll try just about anything, but that might be at the top of my list. But thanks for asking, Christopher. And what's yours, little Chris? Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you sound like my kid, and I like pizza, too. That's well, thank you, Christopher. Good, bye, good question. Good to hear from. Hey, bye. I'll see you. <laughs> yeah, he, he he could eat pizza all day long. Oh, I oh yes, love loves pizza. <laughs> My youngest is eighteen, and she can still inhale mm-hmm. a pizza like no little person I've ever seen. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, me being, I, I just turned forty nine the other day, and I could probably still inhale a pizza. <laughs> yes, he should. Well, that's good. You're never too old to inhale a pizza. I think that's a bumper sticker somewhere. So that's true. And you know what's crazy? What's crazy is, and, and this wasn't planned, but I turned 49 on August 28th. And um, oh, which, well, happy birthday! Thank you. And what was what's cool about that, of course, is I shared a birthday with Cassidy Pope, um, Leanne Rhymes, and Shania Twain. Uh, so that's pretty cool. That, <laughs> and yeah, cool. on my birthday, but on my birthday yeah, we uh, we crossed our two hundred hundredth interview for the year. Oh yeah. wow, wow! Well, congratulations. That's a lot. Yeah, does a lot yeah, about you guys. You. Uh, yeah, it looks like we will hit forty three total this month alone. Wow, man! Well, congratulations. You guys are have been busy, and that's great. Good for you. Well, thanks. So if you could co-write with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be, and what do you think you'd want to write about? <laughs> well, that's a good question. I guess, uh, you know, I hadn't really thought about that until you just said that. But, you know, uh, my, my dad passed away in 92, right, as my mm-hmm. career was kind of taken off. And he was a songwriter and great musician, oh, wow. wonderful entertainer. And that would be somebody I'd love to write with. I, I never did. Oh, cool. I never did get the chance to write with my dad, uh, but I have actually posted one of his guitars today that I use all the time. Uh, the beautiful mm-hmm. D eighteen, a Martin mm-hmm. from nineteen sixty seven. But uh, I have several of my dad's guitars, and I use them a lot. My friends use them, and we write and record on them. So I love stuff like that. But aside from that, it'd probably be, you know, some great Nashville writer, Harlan Howard, or someone like that. Then I'd probably be. 
too intimidated to write with him, so maybe that's not a good choice. I don't know, but I certainly respect <laughs> all those legendary songwriters were some of my heroes growing up, you know? Yeah. Hank Cochran and Dean Dillon, who I dearly love and got to write with, and was a big thrill for me and got to know Dean really well. And, but, uh, yeah, that's that's a good question. I love that. As you know, you know, no matter what level you're at, I mean, even though you're just coming back to music and all that in a big way, I think, I really believe it's in a big way. Where do you <laughs> want to be in five years? Uh, let's see. You know, if I can just keep moving forward like I've been and continue to see some growth from what I'm doing, that's really the biggest encouragement an artist can mm-hmm. have and hope for, really. You know, if it's, mm-hmm. if it's yeah. not going well and it it doesn't seem to be you getting the response that you should, then there could be something that needs to be adjusted or looked at. But yeah. uh, I want to just keep moving forward. I have plans. I, I've i written in Nashville, you know, I've lived in Nashville for half of my life and Texas the other half, and I don't want to ever lose my roots and my music roots of Texas. So I want mm-hmm. to continue uh, looking at that music because I do have a good following and a lot of my fans, and music gets played down there. So uh, I just want to keep... Uh, maybe a balance of what I'm doing now, touring, writing, uh, writing for a few other artists. And, and I could be pretty happy if that just continues going at the pace it's going. <laughs> yeah. Cause talking about Texas, Texas is their own country. As they say, Texas country, right? <laughs> oh man. It, it, it always kind of has its own music scene. Even when I was a young kid, uh, you know, the progressive country scene that was happening in the seventies was so exciting. And now I've been writing with a lot of those artists, Cody Johnson, a young guy mm-hmm. named Josh Ward, really young kid named Tristan Mares. Uh They're everywhere oh, wow. down there, and uh, they're very respectful, very appreciative of what I've done. I like that about them, and so mm-hmm. I've uh, I've got a little connection with several of them, and a lot of venues and the fans. My music just seems to work. Not that it doesn't everywhere, but uh, yeah, they they really seem to uh, support me down there, and that's a good feeling since I'm from there. I, I like that. <clears throat> so, um, as you know, um, let's see where was I going. So, as we look down the road, let's say five, you know, ten years down the road, and let's say you're a success, whatever level that is, at that time, <laughs> if you could meet your future self, not your past self, because you know everybody always asks if you could meet your past self, what would you say to them? Yeah, I want to go the other way. If you could meet your future self. What would you tell him? Uh-huh. Wow, that's another good question. I think I would tell him to, you know, get prepared. <laughs> because uh, my dad told me early on, you know, the music business is the music. They say it's a business for a reason. There is actually a business side. And I think, uh, you know, pay attention to that, which I really – I had that advice early on from my dad. So I guess I would just mm-hmm. hand down some of that information that my dad told me, which really came in handy for a lot of my life. You know, uh, I uh, just enjoy what you're doing. And if you, if you, if you're not there, then do something else, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, take care of your family and love them. And, and uh, that's been a part of the key of my success, having some people that around me that have kept me grounded. And that's a big, mm-hmm. big part of that. Don't lose sight of what's important. That's uh something I was certainly stressed. You know, music is wonderful and powerful and intoxicating and lots of things that come with it, you know, stay focused 
and on your family and your music, and you might be all right. Love that. So let's say that you had a friend of yours, and let's say you heard him or her sing, and they they got the it back. They got something special. And let's say that they've played 40, 50 shows, and they're still getting their feet wet on the performance side, <clears throat> but they've gotten on stage, and they got what every artist says, that stage bug where they look over the crowd, and the crowds roar, and they just know they're in the right place. And they come to you, and they say, Terry, I know I'm supposed to do this with the rest of my life. What advice would you give that specific person to kind of help guide them along the way the next two, three, four years? Well, I'd say, you know, just there again, I would stay focused. You know, if you've got an opportunity, you're already at that level where you're getting to uh, play in front of a crowd, then appreciate that. Remember all of the people that are helping you on your way up because you're going to see a lot of them on your way back down or at the middle of where you end up, you know. Yeah. Uh, we've always – What's refreshing and what's I'm I'm most proud of all these years later is I went out a year or so ago and promoted a little single around the country, visited a lot of radio, met a lot of fans, and the one thing everybody kept saying was just how nice uh, that we treated everybody back then. And I tell you that that means a lot to me. It was good wow. to hear because you know people could come with a lot of stories or whatever <laughs> you know, but even from autographs I. We always went out of the way. If somebody was interested in us, we tried to let them know that, that we appreciated them, you know. And I don't think that's much to ask from anybody, and I still do it to this day. My socials, I really post a lot of it myself. I like to keep it personal. I respond to just about every single person who reaches out to me, and I just feel that's important if you're going to get into it, especially country music fans like to, you know, be part of the experiences, getting to know the yeah. artist, see the artist, talk to the artist hug the artist, whatever they like to do, you know, it's a big part of it. And so mm -hmm. I like to give back my part uh, on that deal as well. You know, I like to show up. I like, yeah. to, uh, I like to engage with the audience. I like to stick around. I like to sign autographs. I like to see people. And I don't mind visiting with anybody who's interested in, the, in what we're doing. And, and for the most part, 99.9% .9 of all of it has just been positive for me, even on socials where it can be odd at times and you could <laughs> You know, someone could say something, whatever. For the most part, it's just been a completely positive experience for me. <clears throat> that is awesome. Three more questions, and we'll let you get out of here. <laughs> sure. No, I'm enjoying it. Not, not at all. <laughs> so um, what's one of the – you know, you, you've been on many stages through the years, and I'm sure mishaps happen and craziness <laughs> happens. It's just the rule of life. Tell us a story that kind of – um, stands out I don't, of one of the craziest things that's happened to you on stage. Wow, that's interesting. Let me think about that. <laughs> Nothing really death-defying or anything like that has happened. I mean, <laughs> I've seen people fall down and do things like that and fall. I've never <laughs> fallen off the stage, but I've had a lot of that's friends a good thing. that have. You know, I mean that's that's something that can happen when you're blinded by. <laughs> The spotlight. I've I know a lot of friends that have taken a tumble uh, for the for the worse. It's uh, it can be a little scary, but uh, I've been I've been fortunate as far as that goes. I remember, you know, we've done a couple things where all of a sudden they'd announce you and the, the power went off in the entire building. Weird things like that have <laughs> happened, you know. But you're not sure what's happening at the moment. But nothing too terribly crazy on stage. A mm. few people uh, have rushed. Uh, I remember 
a crazy thing that happened to me once, and this is really funny because we were really rocking. Probably about 1992, crowds were just fantastic, and we were down in Dallas playing a big outdoor show at Dallas Alley. I'll never forget. And my aunt, three of my, two of my aunts were there. I had three aunts. Two of them came, and my cousins. It was a big family day, you know. But the crowd got kind of crazy, and <laughs> the, the uh, female audiences, part of the crowd, started throwing a few uh, garments of uh, undergarments, <laughs> we could say. And one of them caught on the head of my bass guitar and stuck on my guitar. And I remember looking oh, over at the horror on my aunt's face going, oh, no, <laughs> what, what has our baby Terry turned into, you know? But um, <laughs> anyway, that was a that was a crazy, odd experience, to say the least. <laughs> oh, that is crazy. So as you know <laughs> that you probably – you probably know a, a handful, probably a lot of people that are chasing this crazy dream too, who are up oh, and coming. Yeah. Who are oh, yeah. one or two artists that people should know about? Uh, well, there's a young artist. There, there are two in particular, as a matter of fact. There's a young kid that just signed to Broken Bow that mm-hmm. I've gotten to know. He and his family's from Texas. He's from near Fort Worth. Um, Tony Brown and Brandon Hood are producing the record. He's a he's a little bit of a he loves the traditional kind of stuff, but he's a contemporary kind of guy too. His name is uh, Drake Milligan, uh, hmm. fantastic kid. He actually played Elvis Presley in a short-lived TV series called Sun Records. Oh wow! Um, yeah, he did that as a senior in high school, and uh, but he has really grown. He's really developed, and he's really cut a fantastic album. I'm fortunate that has some songs on that record, but he'll be coming out soon. And the other artist that's really caught my attention lately, and I've just written with her twice, is a young gal from Iowa, and her name is Haley Witters. Uh, she's oh, fantastic. Yeah. She's, she's on Big Loud. She's coming with new music right now. She has a new project out. Uh, she's very genuine, very real and raw, and very talented as well. Love that, and definitely. I bet we didn't hear from the first one, but the the Haley, I definitely heard of her. Yeah, Drake has not really been out of the. Uh, they haven't started promoting the push on him yet. He's just finishing mm-hmm. up his record, but I think you you'll definitely be hearing from him. He's <laughs> great looking kid, but he's just a wonderful singer and a fantastic person. That is awesome. So as as we come to our last question here, what is a question? Because you've probably done a ton of interviews through the years. So what is a question that you wish hosts like us would ask, but they kind of never do? <laughs> wow. Well, that's another good question. Cause yeah, I've been asked a lot of questions and some, most of them I've been able to answer just about everyone, but um, let's see. Gosh, I don't know because even guys like you, and Sandy, you're pretty thorough. So for the most part, I think it's always it's always <laughs> we love flattering. to hear that. We well, do you, love you to hear are, that. Well, it's flattering for me when people have done their homework, and even if they're not my biggest fan, they make you feel like they you are. You know, I love that about people and <laughs> interviews. I just did a, a piece for the uh, American Songwriter magazine mm-hmm. that. Person was just so, uh, you know, re- they were so prepared. It was just very, mm-hmm. very uh, uh, interesting, and it just made it enjoyable. Just like today, it's like talking to a, an old friend, kind of getting reacquainted, you know, because music has brought us <coughs> yeah. all together. 
But uh, that's a good I, I question. That. I don't know if I have a good answer for you, though, after that. <laughs> you know, I love what you just said because when we first – you know, the whole goal of the show is when the sh- when it's done, the artist feels like he just made a couple of new friends, and it was just <laughs> a couple a couple guys and a gal getting together and the world yeah. listening in. Well, I like that. And I think that's probably <laughs> what your listeners like about it too, you know? Yeah, because that's what we try to do. Because I don't want to, you know, I couldn't be one that's of those people that that asks a question and then you answer. Then I ask a question. Yeah. No, I got to be part. I got to be part yeah. of the conversation. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I like. It. Yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like we've been talking along at all. Hopefully, that's the way it'll feel for those listening along. But I hope it was interesting. Oh, and I, yeah. oh, we loved it. So, if you we want to did, tell everybody yeah. how they can reach out to you, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm on socials. I'm uh, at Terry McBride Music on Facebook and Instagram, uh, and as well as my website, TerryMcBrideMusic.com, and the Terry McBride on Twitter. And uh, yeah. if you can't find me there, then you're not looking very very hard. <laughs> I love that. <clears throat> so we really enjoyed having you on the show today. We and we for sure yeah. look forward to having you back down the road. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Chris. Sandy, you too. I appreciate both of you. And Christopher as well. I like I like that <laughs> question he threw out there. That was very cool. <laughs> oh, awesome. Uh, well, we enjoyed it, and you have a great and blessed day. Oh, thank you so much. My pleasure. Y'all take care. All right, you too. You too. Bye. Thanks. All right. Bye. Yeah, bye-bye.